0: vet Dr. Kimberly Earle.
1: Hello, how are you today?
0: Today you have got a most serious topic and it's the parvovirus outbreak.
1: That's right, so we want to make sure that everybody is up to date with parvovirus, making sure they know what to look out for, how to prevent it, that sort of thing, because it's a big one.
0: And Daniel Carrington, good afternoon. Good afternoon Dave. You've got a special guest joining us we also. We do,
2: a very good friend of mine actually. It's Lainey Knox and she's a Weimaraner breeder. And has been for many years. And she's also an international dog show judge. She's also on the committee for training Australian dog show uh, judges. So it's really, really... uh, She does a lot of things. She's really, really good. And Lainey, welcome to the show. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, Look, um... It's it's a great pleasure to have you on here. I think we have spoken to you once before, but let's first of all talk about Weimaranas. And uh, the team here on the show always uh, give me heaps about Weimaranas because they know it's my favourite breed. Oh, they're <laughs> a precious dog, aren't they? Precious.
1: I like them. I like them a lot.
2: Can you tell us, uh, for our listeners, what do Weimaranas look like?
3: Well, firstly, they're a very sleek, elegant, um, silver grey dog, um... The trouble with Weimaranas, they don't think they're a dog. That's their problem. They think they're right up there with the humans. They've got a vest. They're very, very intelligent um, and extremely athletic and good-looking. So what more can you want?
2: Yeah, exactly. And and one that thinks it's another person. Exactly. <laughs> now, Lainey, where did they originate from and what were they bred to do?
3: Well, they originated in an uh, area of Germany called Weimar, uh, where the... Uh, Nobles were the only people who were allowed to have them. Um, the, the peasants, the ordinary people, weren't allowed to own them, so this is where they, I think they get their snobby attitude from. Okay. Uh, they, were, they were only owned by the nobles of Eimar in Germany. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were used for hunting, um, especially large game. Originally, they, they uh, as a large game... Uh, died out they were they then were allowed to uh, hunt um, birds and smaller game. So um, originally bred for the beer bears and the pigs and all the large animals of the Black Forest in Germany.
2: Okay. In regards to the breed itself, what would you recommend what type of owner or what type of family could consider owning a Weimarana?
3: I'm glad you mentioned the word family because they are great family dogs. They just love their people. They like to be close to their people. And being a gun dog, they're used to being close to the hunter. So they love to be part of the family. um, They're not an outside dog you can just throw in the backyard and forget about. They like to be involved, as I often say to people, in all the family (laughs) (laughs) decision-making. So um, they're a dog that is absolutely fabulous for kids. Um, They're... um, they're easy care, low maintenance, um, short, sleek coats so you don't have long, you know, hair all over the place. Um, the, uh, they're, they're a typical family dog and especially if that family is uh, into uh, sports, you know, they love to go running with the family or yeah. uh, they, love, they love water sports so they're a good all-rounder.
2: I remember visiting your place, actually, and when Lauren, your granddaughter, was uh, maybe about three or four and um, one of the Weimaranas in the house with with the tail hit her on the face and Lauren started crying. And then the Weimaranai had noticed what she'd done and turned around and started licking Lauren's face, licking it better. <laughs>
3: Yes, that, that that sounds typical of Weimaraner. They're, they're very attuned to um, people's um, feelings, emotions. Um, you know, if, if for example, if you're not feeling hundred percent, if you've got a headache, they'll say, "Oh, okay, Mum. You know, I'll go gently with you today." But if they know you're in in top form, they'll sort of almost uh, say, "Okay, it's time for a bit of a play outside and a run and a jog." Um, you know, they they're, uh, they're they're just fabulous animals um, to have around you. I mean, I know I'm biased because I've been in the breed over 30 years, and yep. um, I, I know I don't have to convince you, uh, Danny, how great these dogs are, but, um, you know, they they do belong to people who... Um, form a a close affinity to them and they also will exercise them, of course, that's most important. Uh,
2: Dr. David Tabred who's one of the vets on the show, uh, he's actually looking for a a new dog and he's thinking of a Frenchie, but we're trying to convince him to (laughs) a (laughs) Weimarana.
3: between a, a little is. Frenchie and a
2: Weimaraner. Is. Weimaraner is a bit bigger. They're, you know, you're know, you looking at a male that's about 27 inches at
3: the shoulders and um, quite an athletic breed, but at the same time saying that not too far from me, me as I speak, I've got uh, our latest supreme champion lying at my feet. So um, they do like to be um, you know, a bit close to you, and, as I say.
0: Do they um, have any health issues, bad hips or anything like that?
3: Um, no we 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 are through very um, careful breeding and the breeders of Australia have eliminated any uh, hip dysplasia problems on the whole I'm saying that you know it's uh, we we don't have anything terribly sinister in our breeds um, the only thing we do guard against is over vaccination um, we we find that they they multiple vaccinations can trigger off um, uh, problems but on the whole breeders are aware of that and have also eliminated
2: that those sort of genes that um, do have problems. Talking about uh, the breeds uh, Laney because you do judging on an international level you visit many countries I wanted to ask you a couple of questions with that what countries have you visited overseas and how many have you gone to?
3: Um, well, with, with, I've judged in several countries. I've judged in South Africa a couple of times, um, China. I'm off to China again in uh, April, just after the Sydney Royal. Um, Canada, Sri Lanka, New Zealand, uh, Thailand, and I'm going to Japan later this year. So, yes, yeah, so I do get around as well as all the all states of Australia. So it's um,
2: it's a bit of a busy lifestyle. That's right. In terms of the dogs, comparing Australian purebred dogs and the overseas dogs how do we compare here and what the breeders of Australian purebred dogs are doing
3: well you've, you must congratulate um, Australian breeders um, serious breeders I'm saying I'm not I'm not talking about these backyard breeders but serious breeders who go into health testing and or, um, who you know look at the uh, the genes and breed um, very carefully um, the breeders in Australia are absolutely tops. We we have judges from over, many countries overseas uh, that minister here and judge here, and they cannot believe the quality of our dogs here in Australia. Um, we're very proud of the fact that we've uh, we've got such a, a high standard here in Australia, and you know, having judged in several other countries, I can certainly vouch for that. We. We're um, you know we're, we're right on top as far as the quality of breeds of dogs we uh, produce, not just in our breed but in, in um, most other breeds.
2: Lainey, thank you very much for your time. That's a wealth of information, and thank you for sharing your knowledge with us.
3: Okay, thank you, Daniel. See you soon.
2: You're listening to Pet
0: Chat on Two in FM. To vaccinate or not to vaccinate? We just heard a dog winning pedigree dog, uh, champion dog, and say over vaccination trying to stay away from it
1: yeah absolutely so listen from a veterinary standpoint and disease prevention um the goal and and the guidelines set out by the world small animal veterinary association is to ensure that every dog is appropriately vaccinated um commensurate with their risk level without over vaccinating and so what we want um, is to make sure that young dogs puppies are given a really really good vaccine series Um, but the days of giving annual vaccinations all the time just to every single dog really are probably over Um, we have a number of vaccinations in Australia now that are um, registered for um, three yearly intervals in terms of our core vaccinations so that's parvovirus distemper and hepatitis Um, and we certainly would advocate using a triennial vaccination in um, in healthy adult dogs um, when you look at the, the work that's been done, in fairness, a lot of dogs probably do carry their vaccination or their, their immunity longer than just the three years. And they say that when you're looking at dogs sort of five years out, we probably still have 85% of dogs that will have some immunity still to those diseases. The trouble is that by the time you start getting down to, you know, 10 or 15% of the general population not being effectively protected, that's when we lose our herd immunity. And that's when your um, infectious diseases start to become more prevalent. So they've set the guideline at the three-year mark because we know that that's still um, pretty good um, in terms of protecting
2: everybody. Dr. Kimberly, I just wanted to uh, just uh, reiterate on what Dave was saying in regards to why and what Lainey was saying in terms of over-vaccination is definitely we need to vaccinate. Mm-hmm. Um, what we found though is in the breed they can easily have their immune system overstimulated mm-hmm. by doing too many vaccinations in a short period of time. So what happens is we say to our puppy owners, definitely get the C3, which is the three main viruses, as you mentioned, distemper, hepatitis and parvo. And then two weeks later on or three weeks later on go and get the other two viruses that are protected in a c5 vaccine that's right yeah so yeah. that way we're spreading out that we're not giving all five viruses at once but we're spreading it out and helping mm-hmm. that little immune, little immune system so, in that puppy
0: so tell us about this nasty that is back at the moment the parvovirus. virus
1: yeah so parvo virus is the big one that we really still see a lot of in um, australia although there is still reported cases of distemper as well so parvo virus is a, um, a gastrointestinal virus the really nasty thing about it is it lives dormant in the environment not dormant but it still stays active in the environment for long periods of time after the dog who has deposited it there um, is long gone okay? so it's deposited in feces and the virus can actually stay active in the ground um, or on objects for probably in excess of 12 months and so that means that the dogs your pet doesn't actually have to come in contact with another dog to actually contract this virus and the, the actions of the virus are that it basically causes a sloughing of the entire intestinal tract lining which then makes your patient or your pet or my patient um, unable to maintain any body fluids they can't take any nutrition or food in um, they're often uh, painful in the stomach because they're they're sloughing their lining of their intestinal tract they're vomiting. Um, they feel really awful. And they're also susceptible to um, bacterial infections, things like that. So in the olden days, when parvovirus was first um, identified, we probably had a 60 to 80% death rate in them. I think we've got good enough um, knowledge and skills and equipment and technology and, and nursing care that we probably only lose 20 to 25% of dogs now. But that's still a pretty big, you know, if your dog, your family pet happens to be one of those 25%, that's a pretty devastating thing.
0: Mm. Now, we've got calls. We've got John joining us now from Rankin Park and a Border Collie, John.
3: Yeah, yeah, my Border Collie.
1: Hi, John. What can we do with you, with him?
3: Hey, how, how you going there, Ken? No, I'm good, thanks. I've got, got a Border Collie and it's named Topper. Yeah. And um, at night, it, it's mostly inside and at night time, um, I take it out to so go to the toilet and I will take it out and um, I try to get it back inside and Topper won't come back inside. He'll just, he'll just um, sit out there and look at me. <laughs>
1: Oh, okay. So he's got a bed inside that he's used to sleeping in. Is that right?
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: Top has got a bed.
1: And and so what is it that he's just sort of sitting there and saying, "No, I don't want to come inside." Or is he trying to engage you in playtime activities? Is he looking yeah, for yeah. a, you know, looking for a nighttime play before he goes to bed? Or
2: exactly, he wants to do a nighttime yeah. play.
1: Yeah. And what time are you taking him out? Uh, around the nine o'clock. Yeah. Okay. You know, I think I think a lot of dogs often do that. My dog, my husband and I call it the nine o'clock wiggle. Um, without fail, every night, my golden retriever will come and she's an inside dog most of the time. So around between nine and nine thirty, she'll come to us every night um, and she gets her little wiggle on and she makes a little sort of playful growly sort of noise and she brings us a toy. Usually, um, I think that's pretty normal activity, you know. And I think if you can if you can reserve five or ten minutes just to um, throw a ball, you know, usually the border collies love balls or or yeah. a a play toy and actually just you know have that minute of interaction with them Um, it often does just help them sort of settle before bed and you know it's a good you know good sort of thing have a bit of a play um, then ask them to go to the toilet and then you know give them a bit of a a love and cuddle and bring them inside and go to bed I think that's pretty normal um, dog activity they're just looking for a little bit of you know um, actual real good quality interaction with you right before bed
0: all right good luck with that now we've got another call from Viv joining us from Maitland
1: hi Viv how can I help you
3: why?
0: Hello Viv. <laughs> Hello
1: Viv. Hello. Hello Why? Viv, it's
0: Radio Two Viv? and URFM. Did you want to yes, talk I'm to here? us?
3: <laughs> Hello. Hello. What can we do for We're
1: you, Viv? We're on the Viv?
0: air. Oh,
3: okay. Yeah, I've got a dog who's nearly fifteen across dashy kelpie. Yeah. And she's licking both paws, and she's actually right down to skin.
1: Oh, okay, so she's she's taken the hair off. Yeah. Listen, that probably does require a vet um, a vet consult. Um, it may be that it originated from just some, you know, mild allergic skin disease, things like that. But the the combination of a bit of itchiness and then they lick and lick and lick at them, the bacteria and the moisture from the mouth um, then often set up a bacterial infection in the feet, which it becomes a bit of a vicious cycle. The bacteria and the infection make the feet itchy, so they lick at them, which means that they're constantly re inoculating with bacteria and moisture. Um, and usually, usually these things require some antibiotics to try to get them sort of back on track so that the dog can get a bit of peace and, and, you know, sort of leave the feet alone. And if she's done it enough that, you know, she's taken all the hair off and she's down to skin, yep. and if particularly if they're red and inflamed and moist looking, yep. um, then definitely worthwhile going to see your vet and getting some antibiotics for her. Okay,
3: because well she's actually on heart tablets, and I thought maybe that had something to do with it. And she's got um, numerous
1: lipomas mm-hmm. yeah.
3: and in large liver, so she's no more surgery. Okay, yeah, no, I think
1: I think I mean lots of dogs with with heart disease also have allergic skin disease. Um, sometimes it means that they're they're not as active, and so um, sometimes the the licking starts out because they're a little bit bored and they just start licking for something to do. But they can still set up those same um, bacterial infections. So worthwhile having her having her looked at. Um, I'm sure your vet will want to have a listen to her heart and just see how that's going as well, in case there's any changes that need to be made. there. There as well.
0: Joining us now, Paul for our vet, which is uh, Dr. Kimberly Earle. Hello, Paul. Good guys.
3: How are you all?
0: We're good, G'day. thanks,
3: Paul. Well, that's good. I think I'm going to be in the doghouse if I don't get the by dog.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, what have you tried uh, so far?
3: I tried tree tea tree, tree oil in the water. Yeah. That's the this up in the water and wash the dog with fleas, but. I'll wash it, and the next day, and comes back on over
1: again. Okay. So, Paul, there's some really important things you need to know about fleas, okay? For every yep. flea you see on the dog, they say there's about 100 more in the environment. So the, what's on the dog is just the tip of the iceberg. So you really need to use something that's a, um, a longer-lasting product than just a bath because we need to have something that's actually going to work at reducing the load of fleas that are in your environment. And fleas take the form of um, the adults that we see of, on the pet. Um, there's larval forms and, and pupil forms. Forms, and then there's eggs Now anything that we um, put onto the dog Or put into the environment Spray or bomb the house Will take care of our adults And our pupae and our larvae but it doesn't really touch the eggs. The eggs are really strong and resistant and they can lie dormant in the environment for four to six months. So if you have a flea infestation, the first thing you need to do is be aware that it is going to take four to six months to completely eradicate it. Then you yeah. need to get something onto or into your dog that is going to give some longer lasting protection. So flea baths are fine if you have um you know if you're if you're wanting to just kill the what's on them, but it doesn't really help you with controlling the infestation. There are a lot of products on the market. Some are are better than others. Some are better suited for certain um, certain individuals than others, um, and so have a talk with somebody who knows. You know is really um uh, in, involved or, or knowledgeable about the different products that are available. I like to use the one-month sort of monthly sort of products. So there's top spot products and there's um, there's a number of chewable, you know, sort of tablets that you can give the dog now that will give you a full month of coverage, okay? And ideally, if you're seeing lots of fleas on the dog, then my feeling would be ideally you want to have a product that's an adulticide product. So it's killing the adult fleas as they're getting onto the dog rather than um, some of the products are are more suited to to just sort of preventing a buildup of fleas in the environment so you need something that's an adulticide so you're going to be looking for something like um, Comfortis, Advantix, Actival um, those sorts of products that's going to give you longer lasting protection that's going to kill the adult fleas and also help to break the life cycle but just be persistent because you're going to need four to six months to get rid of this problem.
0: And we've got Nadine joining us right now from Glendale.
1: Hi Nadine. Hi. Hi. What's your question today?
3: Um, I'm just calling about because um, we've got that parvovirus oh, at the moment. Yeah, yep. I've got a puppy and I've been hearing some conflicting advice from different vets and people about when's the right time to take them out walking. Okay. So my vet always recommends to, uh, 10 to 14 days after the third vaccination. Yep. But I've heard other vets say 10 to 14 days after the second vaccination. Okay.
1: So, I mean, it's, it's a bit of a... Um, to be 100% protected or as close to it as we come, because there's never any 100% guarantee, um, I usually tell people that the safest time is um, two to four, sorry, two weeks, 10 days to two weeks, after the final vaccination, which is usually the third vaccination. Now, it depends a little bit on the age of your puppy, okay? And there certainly are some vaccines in Australia that are licensed to be completed at 10 to 12 weeks of age. Um, that's still not the recommendation from the World Small Animal Veterinarian association and from a safety standpoint i wouldn't take my puppy out in public places until she's at least 14 to 16 weeks of age and and about 2 weeks off of her last vaccination okay yeah. but it's really important that we socialize puppies between 10 and 16 weeks of age and so some puppies if we don't start socializing them before they finish their vaccine series they're going to miss out on that critical window of opportunity so the safe dogs to socialize your puppy with are dogs that are adults that are fully vaccinated and the vaccine history is known to you or the dogs are known to you. You're safe to use puppies in other puppy classes because every puppy class, um, those puppies will at least have had their first vaccination and they shouldn't be coming to puppy class if they're not healthy. Um, So that's really good because it's really, really critical to make sure your puppy gets socialization. I tell people avoid high traffic dog areas. So avoid dog parks and dog beaches in particular. And if your puppy has had at least two vaccinations and is two weeks off of the second vaccination, even if they haven't had their third vaccination, I think you're probably okay to start um, short leash walks in your own home area, on the footpath, not on the grass areas, and avoiding any evidence of dog feces and things like that, because that's probably low risk. But to be, you know, absolutely protected, um, you do want to wait till the second week after the final
0: vaccination. Amber joins us now from Cahaba.
3: Hi, Amber. Hi, how are you going?
0: I'm good, thanks. What's your question today?
3: Um, I've got a Maltese Cross Shih Tzu, And he's eight years old, he's got pancreatitis and he has a dermatitis to fleas. So even if the flea like jumps off he's still quite itchy. But at the moment he's just constantly licking his paws and chewing at his paws. Mm -hmm. And I was just wondering if it might be like a food or an allergy thing and how can we
1: test that like what it is if it is an allergy. Um, listen, it's it's um, it's a big can of worms that you're looking at. So certainly flea, uh, dogs that have flea allergic dermatitis, so what you're talking about with your dog, they often have other sensitivities as well. Um, there is allergy testing that can be done. Usually it's done by a registered um, dermatology specialist, and we do have one in Newcastle now who's here every Thursday. Um, so we can get you some more details about that if you're interested. The thing I'd always say is a lot of these dogs develop secondary bacterial infections, and that actually makes makes them very itchy as well so always worthwhile going to your vet having a chat about it making sure that that's taken care of and then there's lots of other things that can be done to try to make them more comfortable from their itchiness your dog if it's got pancreatitis will have a few additional issues potentially um, but worthwhile going back to your vet and sort of letting them know that this itching and the licking of the feet is becoming quite an issue for you
0: Alrighty, thank you for your call now daniel let's find out about chico chico
2: now i think chico sounds like he's a bit cheeky, cheeky. Yeah. <laughs> so cheeky Chico is our dog of the week Chico is a one year old foxy a one year old foxy and he loves playing like all foxies loves playing he loves being out in the backyard loves playing with his doggy mates he loves barking at, at the birds flying around so he's a really good temperament now in regards to his personality um, it's recommended that he's a, a dog that loves to be with a family or just with a single a single owner uh, he loves being outdoors will come inside, indoors for a sleep, and then go back outdoors again. Now, if you want more information on, on Chico, well, the place to go is www.dogrescuenewcastle.com.au or the Facebook page for Dog Rescue or the Facebook page for the Pet Shop Boys.
0: Check him out here at uh, 2NURFM.com. Go to Lifestyle Shows, and when you see Pet Chat, you scroll down. There's two pictures of him there, and he's a, he's a cheeky-looking dog from the looks of his And, you,
2: and it? one of the pictures has Chico with the... the Chico logo, <laughs> <laughs>
0: and he's got his pet bear there beside him too in one of the it photos. Does. So well worth a look, and a, another great dog that we're featuring this week for our two. And your film pet rescue. We'll do it again next That's week. Uh, a few things still to come our way next week. We've got the Newcastle show on the IGA Newcastle show. So we might try and get someone to talk about what are some of the animals that'll be featured and on show. Maybe That'd be a
2: good idea. Blue yes. ribbon,
0: uh, some animals we'll be able to talk about.
2: There's there's always cattle. There's Chooks is in there, and then there's do- a dog show as well that happens. So let's Let's talk about the event organisers in regards to what type of animals are being shown and what people can expect to see.
0: We'll take a look at that next Wednesday. We're almost out of time. Uh, thank you very much. Of course, just one last word on you on vaccination with <laughs> parvovirus around. Of course, just do it, I imagine, is the words. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Get your puppies in particular. Get the puppies in. Have a wellness exam with a veterinarian. Make sure their vaccination plan is up to date and that we've got them covered.
0: Can your animal be uh, vaccinated at any age, even if it's a mature animal?
1: Absolutely, Still at I any age. Get done? Yeah, yeah. Abs- with we only vaccinate healthy animals. I mean, vaccinations are not um, without some possible side effects, and they're not inert substances. So we only vaccinate healthy animals. But that's why you know it's really important to have the health exam by your vet first, and then have the vaccination done. Um, in you know old age itself is not a disease, and so we certainly want older pets to be vaccinated as well, um, and puppies because they just have an, uh, such a naive system we need to make sure that they're protected
0: great news that's our vet dr kimberly earl thank, thank you for joining us today and thanks. also thank you to daniel carrington thank
2: you very much dave
0: and thank you for your calls too for being part of the program